Hi. <laughs> well, thanks for um, the warm welcome, Vicki. And I thought we knew each other already. When I think back to that time at Plum Village, so obviously I had the same feeling as you. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm the guest here, so maybe I should introduce myself a little bit. So why is this guy sitting here? And why should you care? <laughs> so a little bit about, about how I got to be here. Um, my parents say I was a contemplative from the time I was a little kid. They were very vexed by this. My parents are extroverts and um, they had this little kid who'd sit on the curb with his hood on it for hours and uh, they didn't know what to make of me. Uh, and my, my spiritual upbringing was uh, in Quakerism and uh, I was perfectly content with that path and loved that path. And then about half my life ago, I picked up this book by this Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh and it floored me. And I said, I have to meet this guy. And I did. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I was ordained as a, a lay monk, uh, Gail also. We, have, we were ordained by Thich Nhat Hanh. And it's a kind of a hard ordination to describe because it's a monastic ordination, but we live a lay life. Um, and I've expressed my practice over the years as a a hospital and cancer care and hospice chaplain. So I've been with a lot of people in the dying process and I've learned so much from those folks. Um, and the reason I'm here doing this now is I, I have a real strong sense that as I look at this period of my life, it's my honor and my obligation to give away everything I've been given. And so that's why I do this, so I can give away what has been given to me, which is so much. So that's why I'm here. And I hope that what we do together this weekend has some value for you. That would make me really happy. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to, we are going to um, bring ourselves into silence so that we can listen. And we're gonna draw from not just Zen, not just this type of Christianity or that type of Christianity. We're gonna draw from the essential human wisdom of how we listen well, how we move into silence so that we're able to hear and respond to the cries of the world. And no one tradition has the answer for this. We <coughs> all have the answer for this together. So we're not, this isn't just a Zen retreat. This isn't just a community of Christ retreat. This is a human retreat. So you don't have to know what to do when you're here. That's the great part about it. You get to have beginner's mind. We love that phrase in Zen, beginner's mind. And I get to be beginner's mind. This is my first time here in this role. And so I get to see everything fresh and it's so wonderful. So same thing for you. Everything can be fresh. Everything can be brand new. We seem to have, we seem to not be having a good connection, do we? I'll put it here, see if that helps. 
So what I'm going to ask us all to do is to set aside this weekend free of distractions so that we can be present here. So let's turn off our telephones. Let's not let the concerns we carry about the outside world or carried with us here take away this precious moment that we have now. It's so easy for that to happen. This is part of a practice period that we've been doing in my community that's leading up to this retreat. And we've been looking at how to rest, how to turn off, how to create Sabbath. So my invitation to us is to create as much of a Sabbath as we can here and not to let ourselves be carried away. So the first thing we have to do to do that is somehow slow our momentum. You might have felt that when you got here. You might have felt that as you approached these rural roads, maybe you came along the freeway and you're going fast and you needed to slow down and you got to these rural roads and when you hit that 50 mile an hour road out there, that felt kind of slow. And then you hit the 35 mile an hour road and that felt even slower. And you hit the 25 mile an hour road and it's like, wow, can I go this slow? And then you get over here and you come and you park your car on the grass and you get out and you can just feel the momentum coming down. Right over here, not too far away, there's an oil refinery. And at that oil refinery, these big tankers come in from Alaska and they do this magic to this crude oil and then they load it onto trains and the trains run along Highway 20 there. And one day I looked at those trains and I said, that is amazing that that they can even move. How much do they weigh? So I looked it up. And if they have 100 cars or so in in those train cars, 30 million pounds of oil. And I thought, how does the little guy or woman in the locomotive stop this thing? That's a lot of momentum, right? And I thought, oh, that's just like me. I've got an oil train like that behind me. And those cars are all filled with different kinds of momentum. Some of it's my personality. I've got a certain kind of momentum. Some of it's my family culture. Some of it's our shared culture. Some of it's just being a human being. Some of it's my worries, my planning for the future. All of those are different oil cars behind me, and they're all wanting to push me forward. So my suggestion is that we together slow our momentum, that we be the one who pulls on that brake handle or that brake lever or whatever that is in that, in that locomotive that slows it down. And we can do that for each other. When one of us slows down, it helps everyone else slow down. When one of us has trouble slowing down, it gives the others of us trouble slowing down. So when you reduce your momentum, you're doing a service to everyone here. So maybe when we walk from here back to our cabins, we walk with intention and we walk slowly and we enjoy the trip back. We don't keep our momentum of 
my life is here and then there, but nothing in the middle. That's a momentum. So we'd enjoy the middle too. We enjoy the walk back. There'll be lots of ways to sow our momentum like that. So when we do that, when we slow our momentum, we begin the process of what I call clearing our listening space. We all have this inherent space in us that allows us to listen. But we plug it up. We fill it up. We fill it up with our plans, with our regrets, with our anger. So we have to first clear our listening space. One of the ways we do that is exactly like this retreat. You know, we are slowing ourselves down together here and collectively we are clearing our listening space. I don't know how it is in the community of Christ now, but in the, in the larger society, we've lost the wisdom of a Sabbath. You know, it really used to be that as a, as a, a whole community, we kept that. You couldn't go shopping on Sunday because the stores weren't open. Now it's changed. Now, my gosh, they're even delivering stuff for Amazon at Sun Sundays now to me. The rest of the mail doesn't come, but that does. So <clears throat> we've got to find a way to come back to clearing the listening space and creating a Sabbath like we're doing here is one of the ways that's really wonderful. Collectively allowing us to do that. And I'll say a little bit more about this in some of the other talks as I'm going along. But if you can keep that idea fresh in your mind, what am I doing? I'm clearing my listening space. Clearing my listening space. Letting it go. We'll work this weekend to do that by stilling our body and stilling our mind and stilling our hearts. We'll talk about how to do that concretely. It's one thing to say it, but what do we actually do to do that? And we'll, we'll bring that forward. There's a series of practices that we'll do together that are part of stilling our minds and our bodies and our heart and clearing our listening space. And I'd like to say a little bit about some of those practices because they may be familiar to you or they may be new to you. So the first one, of course, is sitting meditation. We'll start each day with sitting meditation. Now, in Zen, we do this a lot, and I'm not sure exactly what you do in Community of Christ, um, but you know, we, we call it sitting meditation, but it also can be called many other things as well. But the essence of it is, is that we still ourselves and bring our attention to the present moment. It's not very, very mysterious at all. It's very easy conceptually. Not so easy to do it, but it's pretty easy. We still ourselves and bring our attention to the present moment. And that present moment might be this thought is arising in the present moment. Maybe it's this emotion is arising in the present moment. Maybe it's uh, this ache in my back is arising. Maybe the sound of my neighbor breathing. 
Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's bringing our attention back to just this, right here, just this. So when we, when we do sitting meditation, we still the body. In some, some Zen traditions, it, it's taken very seriously. You sit down on the cushion and you don't move until the end of the sitting practice period. We don't have to do that. But we can think about how to still our body so that we clear our listening space. For instance, as you're sitting and you experience an itch on your scalp, do you need to scratch the itch? Or can you just be present with the itch? If you decide that your knee is starting to hurt while you're sitting, do you need to move? Or can you just watch that? Now, I really recommend that you be kind to yourself. But what does kindness look like? Does kindness look like scratching the itch? Or does kindness look like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to this and see what this is like. And if you need to scratch the itch, scratch the itch. But you might be surprised. You might not need to. So that's the one way we still. We still our body. We move it as little as we need to. We can still our mind during sitting meditation. We can watch the thought come up and neither feed it new energy by saying, oh yeah, I remember, oh yeah, or try and do violence to it and say, go away, go away, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you. No, we can just still the mind by watching the mind. Not feeding it, not fleeing it. And the same with our heart. We can still our hearts by acknowledging our emotions as they come up, but not feeding them new energy. So when you remember how angry you are at your sister, you can just know that that's there and not add more energy to it. So you might play with those things while we do our sitting meditation. How can you still your mind and your heart and your body? And what does that yield for you? Okay, so another one of these slowing our momentum and clearing our listening space practices is walking meditation. Walking meditation is this wonderful opportunity to come home to our body in the present moment. One of the advantages for me of working with people who are ill and dying is that they no longer take for granted what we take for granted. They cannot stand up out of that bed and take two steps. This is going to happen to us. This is going to happen to us. We're going to lose the abilities that we have now. They are so precious. You know, we didn't used to know how to walk. None of us. When we were born, we had to figure it out. We had to learn how to do it. So let's really enjoy it while it's here. It's a temporary gift. So as we walk, we can bring our attention to the left foot coming down on the ground and the right foot coming down on the ground. 
to the left foot. And when our attention is there, our attention is no longer feeding thoughts and running off into the past and the future. We are present. We have come alive. Walking meditation is one of the primary practices that our teacher Thich Nhat Hanh gave to us. And he had to do this gift for himself because he was suffering so greatly. He was exiled from his country that he wanted to help during the war. And he couldn't get back home to help. He was so frustrated. He couldn't see the people he loved. He couldn't take the actions he wanted to take and he was spending his time doing what we do, ruminating, angry, frustrated. And he made a vow to himself, I will not take another step until I arrive home in the present moment with this step. And now another. I have arrived, I am home, in the here and in the now. That's his gift. We'll also come back to ourselves in that way by practicing eating meditation. So this is a real gift, this is a challenge. Um, our meals will be in silence. Usually, when we eat, we don't know that we're eating. You notice this? Have you noticed that you have this thing you really wanted to eat? Let's just say it's a piece of apple pie. And you put your fork in that apple pie and you put it in your mouth and you thought you were gonna really love it so much, but you don't bother to pay attention to the apple pie in your mouth. You're now talking to someone else at the table or you're getting the next bite ready on the fork. You didn't taste that bite of apple pie, so what do you do? You have another one and another one and another one, and you have two pieces of apple pie, but you didn't taste any of it, right? I had this experience, the first silent retreat I went on was a Quaker silent retreat, and for breakfast we had oatmeal, and I hated oatmeal, and I had no one to talk to. I had no New York Times to read, I had nothing to distract me, and so I put the oatmeal in my mouth going, oh no, and I went, wait a minute, this is pretty good. <laughs> and I ate the oatmeal and it was wonderful. And I realized I don't like oatmeal because when I was three or whatever age I was, I decided I didn't like oatmeal. And I never revisited the issue. <laughs> so when I ate mindfully, I realized I really like this. So maybe you could try that too this weekend. Have beginner's mind with each thing that you bring into your mouth. And as you are eating, take a bite with your fork and then put your fork down and chew your food 20, 30, 40, 50 times in your mouth and then swallow it. And then when you've done that, pick up your fork and take another bite, put it down. Try it out, see what you think. It's just as much a meditation as sitting meditation or walking meditation. Mm. 
we'll practice what we call noble silence this weekend. I want to distinguish noble silence from another idea of silence we might have. So maybe we'll call that librarian silence. Right? So when you're a kid, you go into the, into the library and you just, you just have to whisper something to your friends and the library goes, shh. That's not noble silence, right? That is, we're not practicing the silence of denial. We're practicing the silence of flowering. When we're silent, we're able to receive. When we're talking, we're not able to receive. So this noble silence is a silence of respect for the world that we inhabit, a silence of respect for the people that we're around so that they are able to have their process during this time together free of our talk of the weather. Have you ever noticed how small talk really prevents you from knowing anybody? Some of us have been sitting in silence and retreats for decades with people that we hardly ever talk to, but we know them so intimately. We might not even know what kind of job they have. We might not know their children's names, but we know them. We know them. So this is the kind of noble silence that we want to practice. It's, it's gentle. Now, it's not the librarian, you better be quiet kind of silence. So if something needs to be said, find a quiet way to take someone aside and have that conversation so we don't disturb other people's silence. I find that that's a little bit more honest than trying to write a note to somebody. You can make quite a production after writing a note for somebody that if you just stepped off to the side out of the way and said what you needed to say, it goes by real quickly. So everything that we do this weekend is an opportunity to slow our momentum to clear our listening space, to bring us into contact, contact with the present moment. And when we do those things, this is how we develop the skill of listening with love. Listening with love. So over the course of the next few days, the talks that I'll offer and the embodiment that Vicki will offer will take us from exploring silence all the way to listening with love. So we're gonna kind of take it sequentially. What are those skills? What do we do to have that experience? So that at the end of this retreat, maybe when we walk out that door, and we hear the raven flying over and we hear the electric sound of those wings. We can listen to that with love. Not just to hear it, but to hear it with our heart. To hear it as ourselves. So that's all I'm gonna to say tonight. And we'll have um, more opportunities to look deeply together but I think maybe it's time for us to do some embodiment practice. Yeah. Should we have a sound of the bell? Thank you, Gail. <laughs>